So welcome to Clergy and Collars Getting Coffee. I'm Reverend Leah Antwala, and my guest today is the Reverend Sabrina Slater. She is the pastor of Christ the King Fellowship Presbyterian Church. She is involved in absolutely everything in our Presbyterian Church structure, General Assembly, Synod, Presbytery, all the things. She hails from the great state of Washington, uh, is a second career pastor, and went to Princeton Theological Seminary. And so we're I'm delighted to have you on today. Welcome. Thank you, Leah. I'm glad to be here. And apologies if my screen gets funky, but sometimes Zoom is funky. So yep. we'll just work with it. Yes, it is. Uh, and these are those times we're adaptable now because of uh, COVID. Um, so I, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, do you, do you want to start with a, you know, sort of a softball question? Or would you like me to ask yeah, you want a softball question? Sure, All right. Great. Um, I am curious always um, as to what kind of rituals or practices you have in your everyday, weekly, monthly life to kind of keep you uh, balanced, feeling whole um, while you do your work and your ministry? And uh, so I'm curious about what some of those things are. Sure. Um, a bit ago, I started doing an examine practice with uh, a fellow clergy. And in the last few like month or so, we've shifted the time for a while. We were doing this examine time on, on a Saturday and we've shifted that to a Monday. So that's a time of sort of becoming aware and curious where has god been near um how are you like sort of that check-in with self and um just opening yourself to what god might say and and being vulnerable with somebody um i really like having that at the beginning of the week at monday i find it incredibly useful and grounding uh for me also since covid has begun um while i always enjoyed movement i've been running and so running just, you know, um, some days it feels like perhaps you can't get anything right. Guess what? I can still put one foot in front of the other slowly um, and surely, even, even if I don't want to. Uh, and so that's really, really grounding. Um, and I've, I have a practice of, of looking for beauty. And beauty can be found in a lot of different ways. Um, like beauty might be being able to hear the organ that's playing um, at the church right now, right? I get that joy uh, often. And so looking uh, for beauty in the very, really small things, um, those are some of the rhythms, right? There are other things, but um, those are helpful rhythms for me. So so recently I had was introduced by a professor in, um, to a discernment practice that sounds similar to what you're talking about with the examine and you know as part of the course we had to do this practice beyond the classroom for a number of weeks yeah. and um i do think it's a practice i personally maybe some of my other classmates will continue because it's like an examine practice it does help you to kind of reframe mm -hmm. right you talked about the consistency, right? The consistency. And um, I think a lot of times that's that's what I've realized where where it is for me. Because there are days where 
I stretch every day. And there are days where my body will actually stretch. And there are other days where I'm like, yeah, that, uh, that hamstring is just tight today. Like yeah. it just, it just happens. Uh, but, but you know, and you can, you can back off, I guess, some of the level of intensity, you know, I can imagine maybe all your runs aren't as quick, you know, you have some that are slower days or whatever, and some that are faster, right? Um, but that continual, that constant, you know, practice of just doing it, uh, I have found helps in those times of um, stagnation, can we call it that maybe there's sure. um, or just having this consistent activity that I'm doing or we're doing um, when so many other things might seem like they're on autopilot or in chaos or in crisis, then knowing that I have, you know, you have these practices to, to retreat to, or to fall back on um, gives it just a, a moment where um, I guess the framing or the is different, you know, right? So yeah. like our brains are beautiful, wonderful things. And at the same time, they're like programs, right? <laughs> so um, they don't have like good judge, bad, uh, good, bad judgment the way that we do as people. Like they're right. like, this is what we're used to doing. This is what we're not used to doing. This is right. like how things happen. And we cannot, despite all the multitasking we might be required to do, brains actually don't do that. Right. So like running, spotting moments, observing, uh, you know, framing that stuff differently allows our, our brains to also then reflect differently, I, I guess. So it's nice to hear that. I would like to share with you, um, then based on what you said, you don't have to share out loud your answers to this unless you want to. Okay. Uh, but so the discernment practice that we had is our professors asked us to look back over the last six days mm -hmm. and to notice what's bubbling up for you. What's mm -hmm. getting your attention, feelings, sensations, attitudes, outer events, circumstances, like sort of what's there. And then in reflecting on that, where are the, those moments that you felt alive, mm -hmm. most yourself energized? Um, for instance, like me, Friday is a day off for me. Now I have two school age children, right? And my, my partner goes to work. So it is a time where sometimes I have to do the chorey things, right? Take a car right. and stop or go to a doctor's appointment or whatever. Yeah. Um, oftentimes I'm very intentional about that time being my doing something that maybe the people in my household don't always love to do with me, not right. do with me, but don't always love it. Or I love to do it, but I don't always want to do it with them like Fair. go to an art museum or go on a hike or whatever. Um, but those are those times I get the most self-reminded. I, I, I'm curious, do you ever, and I'll get back to the rest of those questions, do you ever um, feel in being a pastor, um, and maybe there are other parts of being a pastor that are, are present for you, uh, where you find it hard to remove self from the office or title and those expectations. Does the balancing ever between the title and office and the person who is a child of God? I know that there are places where those overlaps, but are there other places where they maybe disconnect? 
Right. It's a hard question, right? That's not a softball question. Um, I didn't stay there long. <laughs> I know. It sure didn't. Uh, I think it's hard because maybe for me or maybe all pastor types, especially pastor types in smaller communities, um, you're fully present in your community. Like my commute is a, a three minute walk, if that, from from home to, to church. And I don't cease becoming the pastor outside of office hours or outside of um, Sunday morning, right? I also attempt to have my my day off, a bit of Sabbath on Fridays. And yet, if I'm out and about in the community and somebody sees me and they want care, right? And they might not articulate it that way, but I still need to show up as, as Pastor Sabrina. And uh, in order to sort of keep some of that space of where I get to just be Sabrina the person that also means I need to be um, intentional about cultivating and nurturing relationships that I had before I was quote a pastor as well as uh, relationships where my primary identity is not their pastor so I can be their friend which being a good friend sometimes looks a lot like being a good pastor and yet I'm not their pastor and so being sort of clear in my own self with that is important, as well as some of those those rhythms um, being for me. Um, I need silent time. And um, so sometimes I need a run that's just on my own. And other times I need a run with a friend um, whom I'm not their pastor. And honestly, I don't think I've run with anyone who I'm their pastor or even slightly their pastor. Um, so I think it, it takes some time. It takes some honesty, but I do think that's really hard uh, to have super clear boundaries in a certain way, especially if you live in a small community. If you live in a larger community, I think it can be a little bit easier just because you can have an entire social life that sort of exists outside of your, your work, work realm. And here, I can't, uh, even if I'm not their pastor, their parents or their aunt or uncle or a cousin or somebody is connected, right? Or they know, oh, that's where you live. That's the pastor's house or these different things, right? Um, right. So you're never going to the store in your pajama body. No, or if I am, it's because I'm I'm confident enough in those or I have a jacket on top, you know, where... Um, it's, it's clear, but even in that sense, right, they're still going to know who I am. It's not, I don't have the privilege of anonymity within community. Yeah. Yeah. So then I guess to get back to highlighting these questions, the next question in the exam or discernment process was more, when, when then are places you feel deadened or drained? And I, I, I said that the word deadened was interesting. It was an interesting word choice because um, it doesn't necessarily mean feeling bad, but just like a place where you just don't feel like, I don't know, like a, a, a flower that just needs to be clipped back, right? Like you're like, oh, this isn't serving a purpose anymore. Right. It literally is just making it harder to grow. Like, yeah. um, 
And so maybe things that, and, and I think we might all have those in our job too. You don't have to list them. You don't have to out yourself like that. Places where you feel. Well, <laughs> I, also, I feel like it's good to be aware of spaces that deaden us or dampen us. Yes. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean they're not important parts of our job or our role or position. It just might serve us to be aware that that's going to be more of a, an energy suck, even if it might be less time. And so if that's true, we might want to become more intentional about generative spaces. So I've definitely had days where I am so grateful that I happen to run because I always I always need movement. I've always known this about myself. And so sometimes you have a day you're just like, I'm so grateful that I'm going to go and run because I need I need the like uh, kinetic energy to move through me in a certain way. Running movement is a form of prayer for me as well. And it's just that like letting go um, and trusting. And sometimes God, of course, implants in us in that time. But that that also perhaps lifting of judgment that the fullness of our jobs are supposed to be things that we always are delighting in and that are completely generative. Some things it's like, I actually don't want to do that. And it is an important role. And so how do we negotiate and how do we dance in that space? And if it's something that is an external expectation that may or may not need to be part of the role, then it it behooves us to sort of enter into that conversation with our leadership um, of like, does this meet a need maybe this has always been this way but is this the pastor who i'm equipped and called to be or not and being honest about that right we're not in this alone but i think sometimes we too allow our lives and our calling to be shaped by antiquated expectations without questioning them so i mean that's a, that's a great point i i often i find myself you know because i'm married to somebody who uh, comes from another culture. There are times I, I butt up against some of those things um, differently than others. I can like vividly remember when we were putting our wedding cake, and mm -hmm. you know it's all public, and I was like, why? Why is it like I was in there in the moment questioning the ritual mm -hmm. of like I was like, this is cheesecake. Like, please don't smash this in my face. Like. <laughs> I mean, and of course he had never thought of that doing that. Right. Like, why would you waste food? Um, yeah. which, which is, you know, a core value, I guess, a shared core value, but, but you're in those moments and sometimes you don't realize what they are until, and I think you're right about, so some of those deadening activities, not necessarily feel bad. They're just some things that just don't bring us, they just not very fulfilling, right? They don't generate a lot of energy, yeah. but you have to do them. I often try to, if I know those things are happening, if depends on how long sometimes those are long moments so i might have my coloring book right yeah. and and sometimes they're short so it might be just the transition in and out of that activity that right. i want to do something that does give me energy surrounding those things that maybe are necessary but don't you know are pretty draining they feel more like chores than than they do um joys choice yeah um and so then in all of that what what then are you discovering about yourself what are some of your deepest desires what are you discovering about god 
And when you think of all of that together, what's the holy invitation? Mm -hmm. What's God now inviting you to do with this sort of framework and um, knowledge? And um, so I, you know, if you want to respond to any of those, you, you can. Uh, what is a holy invitation you've received recently, maybe from God? You don't have to tell us all the backstory, but just. Sure. Um, so the most I'll, I'll give the example from the examine that I, I did just yesterday. Yep. Um, and as I was reflecting back, very similar to how your faculty who has you sort of reflect over the last six days. So the prior week. Right. And and what bubbles up, that's another way um, perhaps of being like, where was God near? Where wasn't what what were you noticing or where did it feel as though God was far? Right. Um, and something that bubbled up for me was um, uh, a conversation with someone else who had had noticed in themselves um, that anger might be always part of their life. And so if anger is always part of their life, what do, what's the invitation for them to just sort of know that's a baseline, right? Like it's just how they've been shaped in, in the image of God, that anger is, is a motivator for them. And I was reflecting on, oh, it was like this amazing week in a lot of ways, uh, affirmations from God, cool things that were happening for folks who are super important in my life, and, and even a really beautiful worship service. And in all of that, there's still these questions like, uh, was I showing up in, in the, the way fully or was this right or questions about this or and and so similar to how um, my friend had sort of been naming that anger as part of just who they are. I was sitting there and just became aware, you know, this was a really great week. And I still have questions and I think I'll always have questions. And so being curious about those questions like, okay, and what does it mean to have good weeks and be walking faithfully and to still have questions. And if, if that awareness is there, can the questions shift or can we shift so that they're not questions sort of centered on potentially, um, perceived lack and or insecurity, but just questions of curiosity, like, huh, this was good. Is there is there something more we could be doing? Is the Holy Spirit inviting something slightly different? So it's not as though what we did or what I did was wrong or even right, but getting to a place where questions become, of course, very helpful tools in, in moving nearer to God. Um, so do you find that is in general, is that something that's come as you've journeyed in your faith, like thinking of things less with like, it's good or bad, this or that, and more fluid, like, oh, these are tools, these are practices, these are skills, you know, um, that these are developmental or invitations to get grow stronger or to develop more versus this is something not, if I get this thing, then I will. Cause I think sometimes we have that notion, right? Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. is what a Christian looks like and right. whatever that image that we've been given of what a Christian looks like, well, that's not very Christian like behavior, right? Or something like that to go. What does that even, what does that even really mean to me? Yeah. And, um, 
you know, so do you, have you found it useful to like exist in this more both and world rather than either or right, wrong, black, white. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, put your binaries in there. Right, right, right. Um, I, I think I perhaps have more access to language that names as such and tools, you know, like the language around tools and, and form forming us in these ways. However, the, the fluidity piece of um, showing up or being present, that to me is, is how I show up in the world. Um, I'm much less to label something as right or wrong or good or bad in a judgmental sense, but more of does this feel right? So it's not good or bad, but sort of like that gut feeling of this is where I am supposed to go. This is how I'm supposed to move. I may or may not be able to articulate quite why. And even if I can articulate it, others may or may not agree. But that place of this just feels right. Going here feels right. Doing this feels right. Uh, and I might not get clarity as to why that felt right until months later, actually. Right. Uh, and then be like, oh, yeah, that was right. But it, it's not like as though there was a wrong. It's sort of a deeply felt invitation of just what what bodily feels right. Right. Yes. Yeah. And and did that, I mean, I, I think maybe for some that feels more innate, but I, I would say for myself, like that was something that developed over time with age, with wisdom, with mm -hmm. practice. Like, yeah. you know, there used to be a time where something would, somebody would come flitting in my mind and I'd be like, oh, and kind of ignore it. And then mm -hmm. too often, right? Did you go, yeah. man, I shouldn't have ignored that. There was a reason that person floated into my mind. Right. And now, even if even if all it is is reaching out to that person, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. I haven't thought about those people in years. Just saying, hey, I was thinking about you, everything going, you're just, just checking in. Yeah. Nine times, you know, it feels like a lot of times they're like, no, everything's good. Thanks for checking in or whatever. No idea why they entered my mind space. Yeah. But time has taught me that when I have ignored it, yeah then the like the not knowing why is acceptable but yeah. but it's been the practice of aging of, of like stepping in more to that feeling more like it's uh for a reason versus mm -hmm. that it's just random has yeah. that makes a difference yeah i guess it it feels more innate in the sense that it is very much the way that I was raised of being like, these are promptings of the Holy Spirit and it serves us well to like heed them. We don't want to, if, if we've been prompted by something um, and not do it, like you just don't want, it doesn't feel good. And I have stories, family stories of where the spirit moves someone and they're like, I'll get to it later. And, and the later wasn't promised. And so it continues to, um, humble me and surprise me though in that bodily knowing or like ah oh, i'm just gonna reach out to this person or i wanted to do this weeks ago but today i really am like gonna send that email and then for folks to be like oh you always know the exact right time to reach out like i'm struggling in this way and i'm like 
in my mind because even this uh i'm thinking of an email recently i'm like oh i literally said in the email i meant to send this weeks ago when you had this event i was praying for you that day but i i'm thinking of it now i just want to remind you you're amazing right and they wrote back oh it's such a hard week this is the perfect timing like thank you so much and i'm just like oh because in my mind i'm like i was i I was wrong i'm late (laughs) i'm past due but in god's economy and timing like that push on that day when i had the capacity that was the right time while i was late in my timing god knew what was up and like you had that desire you did pray on that day but i didn't have the capacity to reach out weeks later i had the capacity to reach out and that's when they really needed it yeah that i mean it's interesting the the I mean, even the word you were right, the benefits of language and words that you you choose. But it does make me think like as as you're talking, I also I'm always curious with my other clergy friends and colleagues in ministry is um, and and you can answer this in any way, obviously, always the way you want to um, is what because I, I think sometimes I, I feel sometimes a pressure I, I probably am assuming it's a pressure that maybe doesn't exist that as clergy, I'm supposed to like have all the answers from the pulpit. I, I, and I don't, um, but like, but there are places theologically that I still struggle. There are things that I feel pretty clear on whether they're the right answer. I don't know. I don't know if they're God's answers. They're God's answers to me. I feel like in the moment, um, so theologically, maybe places that you're currently wrestling or or thinking of, or maybe, you know, we do both come from the same PCUSA tradition. So are there maybe personally, maybe a place you're struggling, or maybe where do you also see the, the larger church also wrestling with something, uh, we'll call it theological. Sometimes people want to put political into my mouth and it it's not. It's not theology. My theology, to, to, you know, helps guide my politics, not the other way around, actually. But yeah, I mean, I was in a conversation yesterday with leadership where talking about um, engaging with tough topics and, and somebody and honestly, almost anything can be a tough topic these days. Um, but as they shared, I reflected back. Um, it sounds like what we are are saying we might have a need for in our own church is is really equipping folks to be able to engage theologically, recognizing that what we're talking about is how do we interpret scripture? And how we interpret scripture absolutely influences how our faithful response is to lots of different tough topics. And so it's an engagement theologically in that in that sense. Um, thing that I think we, there's lots of things I feel like we just in general struggle with, like trusting God or do we theologically we understand and know that God's fully in control um, and that God doesn't need us and invites us to participate in helping to bring forth thy kingdom come or thy kingdom come whichever you prefer on earth as it is in heaven whoa like that's huge and we don't agree on like what that looks like, right? Because we interpret scripture differently. And how do we, how do I as a pastor show up um, recognizing that my image of God is not the most important thing. The most important thing is how can I facilitate you in your image of God to draw closer to God? 
to be able to hold on to God, especially when I'm not there. Like those are, those are hard to wrestle with, I think. Um, and it feels like we're do we're not doing our job when we don't have the answers, right? Like the pastor's supposed to have the answers, but we don't. Hmm. Those I think are just hard because we f- we show up fully as ourselves, and on our best days we know we are not Jesus Christ, <laughs> and we do not save our people, and yet God has called us and equipped us and touched our hearts in such a way that we love our folks and we want them to be living an abundant life and we see the reality of suffering and brokenness and um and the realities of live sin and uh oppression and addictions and there's and our heart just breaks and it doesn't feel like enough Mm. Mm. yeah I, I mean, yeah, that's, that's some heavy, that's some heavy wrestling. <laughs> like, no wonder you have to have spiritual practices to uh, refuel. That's some, I mean, that's real heavy wrestling to be um, expected to do at, at all times. I'm at, I'm, I'm getting ready to do with my uh, church, a communal scripture reading of Matthew 25, because, <laughs> you know, in the PCUSA, Matthew 25 initiative is a big thing. And, um, and so what that means is that we're going to read the passage and talk more about what bubbles up in a variety of translation, Mm -hmm. um, so that we can have some of those conversations, right? Like, what do we know about this text? What, what was the context the text was written in the time? What is our current ways that we're relating this stuff? What does this mean? What does this not mean? Um, what do we assume is there that when then we realize we read it and go, oh, that, no, no, not there. Yeah. But it's not there. What becomes before and after. And in some ways, it's just a way like that's sort of part of my weekly process when I approach a, a scripture passage and read it over and over and over again. And then it's like, oh, this word or phrase is coming out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've all read those things before. So, you, what is your sort of, um, do you have a, a certain way that you get into a text as you prepare for a Sunday? The right answer is that I would absolutely have something I do all the time, same time and place. It's not true. I'm not going to lie. It's not right to lie. I don't think that's the right answer. It's an answer. <laughs> an answer. Um, it just, it just depends. It's sort of um, perhaps for me, the, the way in at times, of course, is reading and reading repeatedly. Um, but it's also just like praying, you know, what's what's there to be seen right now or what what's that invitation? Um, and and again, leaning into some of that feeling like, well, this is what's to be said this time or maybe this is what's to be said. And sometimes I'm just like, God, I don't even know. Like, are you really, is this really what you have to say? Um, and, and trying things. So like my, my folks, praise God, they a, understand that you never know what might happen on a Sunday because I'm here and, and they're pretty open. So we also, almost every single week, the first scripture reading, I ask them what they hear. Or this last week, I was like, how does this make you feel? And I expect them to answer me. 
right? So we live into the priesthood of all believers and the it's fact not that just rhetorical. it's not rhetorical. No, there's, and I, I will tell them at like, they're very sort of quick to answer. Usually I'll push them if I'm like, oh, cat's got the tongue today. Okay. Like, let's, let's read it again. Um, but where we get to hear where it's landing in different folks, right? And I'll, I'll engage with that. And, um, but like last week, the invitation, we've been blessed to have somebody uh, worship with us who, who happens to be blind. And, um, and they've shared, they, they're amazing singer uh, as well. And they've shared that, that singing with us. And um, for different reasons, I, I felt led to ask this person, would you be willing to maybe have a conversation like so the the faith engagement time would be a conversation me and you and everyone would get this sort of listen in and they're like yeah i think i would be interested and then we met and talked about it and and in all the gospels well yeah in all the gospels there are stories of jesus healing people who are blind and so um i had i had this person like we started actually with uh in psalm 139 you're fearfully and wonderfully made god knows like you from the innermost parts and then i and so asked the folks how's this like how does this make you feel and then started having the conversation with with this person like tell us a little bit about you and then the second question was um what's your faith story and then after that this person had written a, a poem when they like about 10 years ago or so and so we heard that poem read they didn't read it someone else read it and then i asked how do you see god and how does god see you and then uh we went through all the gospel stories the four different um he healings of blind men it's all men um yeah. and and asked for their thoughts like how does how do you see this scripture and and then the the last piece was um uh in what first corinthians second corinthians you walk by faith and not by sight and so right. i asked what how do you hear this scripture and do you have advice for those of us who happen to be seeing and um and then asked like how can we pray for you which was i that was a new one i i apologize because they didn't have that in advance and then i asked them if they had questions for us and they're like how can i pray for you but some of the beauty was as someone who is born blind they shared like the fact that jesus always asked what healing like what do you want from me jesus didn't assume they wanted sight and they said especially with the one where you have two touchings from from christ they're like it's not only that they got sight but they had understanding and 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 they're like because think about it, if you're blind and you're given sight they're like most likely you will immediately become blind again because of the sensory overload and also if you've been blind since birth you are not going to understand you won't have comprehension and just hearing some of those thoughts um was beautiful right from someone who's there like ways new ways to think about new mm -hmm. perspectives new angles new things to think about because that is something i mean i i have people in my congregation who have degenerative like they they've either lost and or are losing their eyesight and you're like well what then what would be helpful right what what's going to be helpful in this process what are ways that we can uh you know walk along and and of course yeah the assumption is that if everybody wants to see right, right. And you think maybe that's I, I, I like that aspect of hearing that story, right? Mm -hmm. that, that the assumption is that Jesus did not make that assumption. 
that right. is going right. to be right to, to see to see again and uh, so that's interesting mm-hmm. i mean that's that's really powerful how did how did that land in the congregation because uh, despite the fact that christians are supposed to be loving we don't talk about our feelings very much right how right. things make us feel what the emotion is that's associated with that whatever and so how how was that for the people who were present i right for the people who were present um and i'm gonna uh, hopefully it land because feelings are hard um for folks um especially perhaps in theory presbyterian folks um i do not co-sign on that necessarily but um it landed well so what was interesting is because of the the method of engaging so it was a conversation that folks like were listening into right so i i was attentive to who i was talking with and less attentive to the the whole group but so i've gotten but even outside of that they were ready when when they asked like my question is how can i pray for you and they were immediately ready to engage and give answers back and um also in the in the prayers of the people later they some gave thanks to god for the sharing and i got to hear from from someone who who stopped by the office yesterday there like many eyes were teary so it did land and and they're they were very grateful and of course there was able to be conversation after we even had a a conversation following worship and and everyone was was there right it was it was a beautiful day and a a long day in worship and um so i think it landed you know folks were willing and interested in hearing um and and curious like oh you know one of the things lifted up um the person sharing was they named that they loved waterfalls, like see, seeing waterfalls, right? And and for people to be thinking like, oh, wow, yeah, but yeah, because you can hear water and you can, these different things, right? And so it was an invitation to a knowingness um, that they didn't have before. It was also an invitation to maybe not consider someone who they perhaps immediately consider to be in a position of lack, to be lacking, right? Because we are all fearfully and wonderfully made and God doesn't make mistakes. I know the platypus is a fine example. (laughs) The platypus is always what I look at to be like, that wasn't a mistake. It's a mammal that lays eggs. That's not supposed to happen, but it does, (laughs) but it does, does. you know? So I don't know. Sometimes I, I mean, now that's not the animal I generally feel most akin to is an elephant, not a platypus, but like, I don't, you know, I think it's a phenomenal, it's really quite a phenomenal. And I'm not the first person to have that thought. I believe right. it was in the movie Dogma as well as uh, the book, what, The Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, I believe oh, it was. The book there you go. Piercing. Speaking of movies, books, TV. Yes, Leah. Yes. Do you have any current recommendations for people who might be watching this, whether they're theological, they don't have to be religious ones. Movies, books, or TV. Or podcasts, whatever. You you know you should have given me a heads up about this one. I know. It's uh, not, pop culture is not where you live. It's, it's where not, I it's grow and have my being. But I, I know that I am... Um, 
I, I okay. might not always have that with everybody. Yeah, I know. Uh, I will say a book. Um, it's not a new book, and you've probably read it, but it should be Bell Hooks All About Love. It is, we are in February, it is Valentine's Day, but Bell Hooks All About Love, I think is a worthwhile read that, that we should be reading. Um, what, what in particular? I mean, has, yes, she, she's amazing, and yes. one should always read amazing things, but... Fair. So All About Love is sort of going to invite you to question what we lift up as love, and is it love? Um, how love requires sort of a commitment to the flourishing of another being. And if we're not there, that a question, is this love or is, or is this something else that perhaps is an unhealthy or an unhelpful behavior or way of showing up that we've grown comfortable with or desirous of, but it's not actually love. And so it does invite us to be curious about that, especially if we are uh, understand ourselves to be Christians, to be followers of Christ, um, to be those who believe in God, who is a God of love. Like, what does that mean then? What does it ask of us? You lifted up earlier. Um, that's not Christian behavior. Well, uh, it's Christian behavior to love. What does it mean to love? Um, th those types of things. Uh, so I think it's a I think it's a, a worthwhile generative read, but I don't necessarily think it would be an easy read for folks. But I do think it's an accessible read. But I, I think that's also a growing, right? That's a growing thing. You're speaking of yeah. love, right? I have found that as I have grown yeah. and learned more how to recognize that I'm loved by God and therefore I... uh you know, therefore I am because I am loved by God. Yes. And because I recognize I'm created in the image of God. Yes. I try to do things that go, well, if God loves me, I must be valuable. Right. Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. Because God, or because God loves me, I am valuable. Yes. And so what does that mean? I often tell my kiddos, right? Like not just them, but like you will spend the you will spend more time with you than any other human, right? Yes. So learning how to love yourself and what does that mean? Because you yes. do, I think, you, I think it is different when you talk about love languages or whatever, but we all right. have different ways that we, we talked about that, right? Practices, right. refueling for some, running is not refueling. It just drains completely. They're like that, yeah. bleh. I know. Well, then don't do that. Dance or right. walk or stretch or swim, whatever the thing may be, right? Moving the body is important. Moving right. your body in the way that I like to move my body might not, is not. Correct. Correct. Right? Yeah. But I have found that in, in that delving deeper into learning how to love myself, it is a lot easier yeah. to love other people. Right. That I I feel I am less um when you say triggered, bothered. Okay. I'm not nearly as bothered as say I was as 13-year-old Leah. 13-year-old Leah was real bothered by lots of people's behavior. She was a little, she was a little self-righteous. <laughs> but <laughs> and as we are all our Unsurprising. ages. <laughs> Unsurprising, Leah. Yeah. Unsurprising. Yeah. As we are all our ages at once, right? 
yes. there are times where that that will come up again where right. absolutely my response is that of a know-it-all 13 year old right um but at the same time right because many many years have passed since then yes way more than i would like to one imagine. or two okay that's fine yeah 30 um 40 30 30 i'm bad at math it's okay um so but like but I, I think there is a, a power in going, what, what does it mean to love? What are healthy, loving relationships? What are unloving relationships? Because like we can love at a distance, right? We can still pray for somebody. We can still heal and yet still choose not to engage in a direct relationship with yeah. something that really makes us question our self-worth whether that's a system and or a person yeah yeah and i think oh, i hope right the invitation is that we are growing in that um and that we're honest with what we see and also honest with what we see can mean a bit too like self-righteous Leah, self-righteous Sabrina might've been that way because we are unhappy with something in ourselves and it just manifests because we can see it in someone else. And it's a lot easier to be like, oh, that's terrible. Like they need to get this together, right? Or like, I figured out that thing. And the reason why I'm self-righteous about it is because I'm struggling over here with this thing. And I don't really want to look at that or pay attention to that, right? I think the Bible said something about that. Specs, uh, logs Something, right. Something, right. Be like I can handle the speck in your eye because I just I just can't handle the log in my own. Right. And there's there's a learned humility or a ideally learned humility there. But um, but it it's it's a struggle and life offers that opportunity to grow in that way. Mm. But, you know, growth is hard. Healing is hard. Yeah, I, I oftentimes that, and, you know, sometimes my gratitude or my prayer, daily prayer is, God, thank you for giving me people who were generous enough and compassionate enough to allow me to stumble and bumble my way and continue to love me, right? And yeah. I, I'm just very grateful for that generosity. I mean, it 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 doesn't cost a thing. Uh, in terms of like money value, but it, it, yeah. it, it, it does need to be intentional. You can't accidentally be generous, right? Right. But it's, it's a, it's a spiritual discipline, right? Whether you're talking about financially, emotionally with your time, it's a, it's a, it's a discipline that we can develop. Right. Right. So sometimes saying no is just saying that I'm not prioritizing that right now. Yeah. But also and also yes is not always the right answer correct like yes is not always the loving answer um i was just at oh i'm gonna forget the actual words but i was just at uh, a retreat training type of thing last week and uh one of the items lifted up on one of the days was how people don't need to quote be fixed that each and every person is like creative and um 
whatever, able to, quote, heal themselves. They just sort of need that invitation. So if we are saying yes or showing up as, as a rescuer or an enabler, if you prefer that language, or even a provocateur, right, um, that that allows this other person to not, like, to maintain a status of, of victimhood in whichever way you want to understand that, but not to move out of it, right? Um, whereas if there's that expectation and respect like this is a, a a creative and completely whole person on their own so how can i invite them or ask them what do you need like not that's what you were talking about with jesus right with the person yeah. right that's that same invitation that jesus was like let me not assume you're not fine right now right yeah i'm so not like, here to fix you unless that's your ask correct and even that fixing is very specific, right? The ask was, I want you to re restore my sight. Or so, so if we ask someone like who we are sort of essentially saying, you need fixing, but instead of saying, I have the capacity to fix you, what do you need to help yourself, right? It, it invites and requires a reflective time on their part to name, this is what I actually need from you so that I can do my work, okay? So then I can be like, yeah, I can do this or I can't, but I can help you get there because you've articulated that now. But there's something empowering about that level of invitation, right? Like yes. versus, uh, well, as you said it, right? We're not the savior, Correct. Which, is, which is the, which is the edge line, right? right? That's one of the edge lines. There are many razor's edge, I guess, you know, that, that happened there, but as, um, we're we're approaching the end of our time. I want to ask this final question, which yeah. is uh, I, will, I do want to say one thing though. Yes, uh, I because I at least thought of I I wish I could have thought of faster a movie that would be worthwhile to see. Oh, I think I want to see this movie. It's called like Auto or something. It looked really good. Haven't seen it yet with Tom Hanks. But the other is um he's he's a solid choice. It looks very heart heartwarming. Um, is uh this series alaska daily and yeah. um it started last fall a worthwhile watch in my opinion because it's not shirking away from challenging topics and sort of lifting up perhaps a bit more familiarity with um some native folks and concern and specifically um concerns around native women and um how folks are have been abusing them and and they get abused both on the individual and the systemic level. So I think a worthwhile um, watch and well right. done. Good, because that's one I've actually pondered about watching myself and I haven't I haven't yet delved, delved into it. So that's a good recommendation. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about love, you were talking about love. Sure. And um, so as a, you know, my favorite question about love is um, concerns the Care Bears, right? Because they're just love fully embodied images of love. They're little bundles of love. They shoot love straight from their belly, right? They come from yes. the land of care a lot. They have a particular thing about them. Uh, and then every time they do the Care Bear stare, it's not, a, it's not uh, to seek revenge or to penalize. Mm -hmm. It is to heal. That's the goal. They mm -hmm. shoot love in order to heal. Which I then think is very theological. Um, I think that's a lot of what the Holy Spirit does. So if you, Sabrina, were a Care Bear, let's just imagine you're a Care Bear. Okay. 
what color Care Bear would you be? And what emblem would be on your belly? And it doesn't have to be one that actually already exists in Care Bear worlds, like Land of Kerala. It can be whatever you think. Right. So Sabrina's thing. So it's fun because while I do know about the Care Bear Stare and, and, and Leo, we've talked about this before, yeah. I don't actually know all of the signs or the colors for them. So I can't even, um, I could guess, right? But I, I sincerely do not know. And um, I so do not like these questions, but I sure will answer. I know, I know, but you like me and I appreciate it. I do it. like you. you um, answer it because of that. Because of that. I mean, I think the, the, the image on my, on my tummy, my Care Bear tummy would probably be um, a heart. Sure, it would be a heart. Um, and- um, It's depleted. Yeah. This is a heart. Talk about feeling dead. It's so funny. It's because like, while you do, you do shine very brightly love in our conversation. The thing that kept coming up and you saw as a gift was curiosity. And yet that's not where you went with your emblem on your belly. No nope. curiosity, <laughs> these questions that you bring to all the environments, the way you push us. So here's why, here's why, right? Cause now you're getting more ridiculous, but fine. Yes. We still love each other is that, that part of the reason why that invitation in, in examine time for me was so interesting um, uh, this week is because some folks, I might put you in this maybe, but like some folks questioning is very core to their identity and how they show up. Mm -hmm. And questions in that sense are not like that for me. I am very comfortable with like, this just feels right. And I just know it. I don't have to question, I'm like, it just feels right. Like, and I'm okay there. Other people will be like, but, but, but I'm like, it just is like, <laughs> yeah, God's always led in this way when, with me. So I'm, I'm comfortable here or relative as comfortable as we can be at times following God. So, so questioning isn't formative for me in that sense. It's this new, um, new holding in identity or, or new tool awareness. Right. So so it makes sense to me that I wouldn't think of a question mark as as that. However, the invitation and the understanding as love, right, which we often articulate as a heart, um, as healing, and that and that it is the only way of healing is very formative for me. So so it you know it's just a heart. It communicates both loudly and not loudly. Our church. Um, of course, I'm going to forget, but maybe I'll cheat by looking at a business card. Um, has when I got here, they had Matthew um, 22 verses 37 through 39, which is basically like love God, love neighbor. And I was thrilled. I'm like, what? So it literally like here's the back of the business card. Hashtag love because that's what it's all about. Right. So so it makes sense to me that my my Care Bear Stare uh, item is a is a is a heart. And the color, um, I'm gonna make my bear color, I think mustard, just cause it's like fun and earthy and sort of sunshiny. And the heart itself though, like a very deep, vibrant um, 
crimson red or or magenta red right and, and of course that's symbolically we can talk about the blood of christ but some folks don't like that that's also okay um but it's this rich deep um color that has a lot of depth to it and even if we're not thinking about the blood of christ like we all have blood like if <laughs> If we're alive, we have blood in us, right? So it is something that connects all of us. Um, all of humanity has blood in common. Uh, so those would be my colors. Nice, nice. No, I appreciate you answering my, I do, I, you know, the, these questions that I ask and I do, someone, someone um, articulated that I was a question bomber, um, but I, and I am, and I'll fully, I just will live in that yeah. space. I love it. Um, I, my mind does, it's constantly right. Processing. And I think we all process differently. And yeah. there are questions that yes, are seem ridiculous. They have come from real places for me. This is currently, this connection has been with the, with the care bears recently. I don't think it's just because I was, I'm a child of the eighties cartoons, right? Um, but it is it is sort of where I've been thinking as uh, theologically more in terms of the Holy Spirit and sort of this mission field. And when we talk about what does it mean to to heal somebody with what they've asked for and if they've asked for that, you know, and, and the idea of like it's a community thing and bringing one's individual gift to a communal setting, those things are all very theological um, for me. And I, I mean, they're really just cute, right? Care Bears are, are cute. Um, Cuddling soft, literally, Like literally they're adorable. But yeah. I, I think sometimes like it's harder to talk about what we think our spiritual gifts are when we're straight up ass, like, What's your spiritual gift? Everybody's like, I don't want it. And I'm like, here, here's the thing about spiritual gifts, right? Is that you can't re-gift them. You can share them. You can't also, give them back. They're also gifts. They're gifts. They're <laughs> gifts. You don't get to return them. You don't get, like, I think, you know, and there are times, like, it took me a long time to embrace some of the things that I would say are my spiritual gifts. Some of them I'm still trying to embrace exactly what they mean, right? Yeah. But to be like, well, I don't want this one. I want right. that one. Right. And, and to be like, no, freaking, you're grumpy bear. And that's okay. Like, and that's okay. Like, <laughs> anchor is your baseline. Fine. Right. Right. There's no judgment that, but how you use it, right? It's if right. that's the tool, if that's the thing, how right. you're using it. If you're using your anger to be more angry and like create like just chaos and disorder just for those sakes, that's that's not helpful. No. But if you're using that to like, I don't know, to turn over a table in a temple. It's righteous anger, right? Like it's all right that that's your baseline. Like you, we maybe we should be upset about some things. At least you know you're not indifferent, which I think is a far more uh, unhealthy. Uh, yeah. You know, I I don't. There's not a spiritual gift of indifference. <laughs> that's not a spiritual gift. And God bless anybody who can prove me wrong on that. I would. I love to be proved wrong. Just prove me wrong. Show me how indifference can be a spiritual gift. I am open to having that conversation. I might still reject the notion, but I'm open to that. If, it, if indifference allows someone to stay at the table, 
and to walk in a certain way, I think it can be a gift, right? Because some folks are, are live wires with so many things that you're not able to walk in a certain way. And even though we have example of righteous anger of, of Christ overturning the tables in the temple, I do think um, uh, some could come at me, that's fine. But it seems to me that uh, consistently God's disappointment or uh, reality that we have sinned and fallen short of perfection never ends us in a situation where God actually removes God's self from us. Like we always have access to grace. And while we are seeking to become more like Christ, more loving and a love that is unconditional, we are human. So our love is conditional, right? So screw me once, shame on me, screw me twice, or screw me once, shame on you, screw me twice, shame on me, right? And yet, if we're supposed to be forgiving 70 times seven, like, oh, we got a lot of space to be perhaps indifferent about certain things or to somehow, how do we communicate love to someone while perhaps removing ourselves from violent spaces while also holding the fact that Christ himself did not remove himself from a violent space, but walked into it in his own authority, not because he had to, but because he chose to, that the cost of love meant something died. Mm. That's hard to wrestle with. Mm -hmm. And it's unfair to wrestle with it in a lot of spaces. And yet, right? So... And and I and when that is actually you just hit on exactly why in the communion liturgy I always use the phrase gave himself up to the authorities for his death is because that act that chosen act mm -hmm. is very important to me in the the overall liturgy that yeah. it, there was a choice and we talk about like anger right like he made that choice there when Peter made the choice to cut off the soldier's ear Jesus was like come on dude you yeah, be mad, but stop. Don't you can't cut off people's ears like this. Right. Like, stop it. Like, stop it, Peter. Stop. stop it. Stop. Right. And like, Show your anger a different way. Like, I'm not telling you not to be angry, but how you're going to show it later. I've already told you. Right. You're going to deny me. Right. That's how you're going to that's you're going to try to separate yourself from me. Just letting you know now. Right. So, yeah. I, I mean, so it is, it is that that is a particular, and we all have those things, right? Wordings, mm -hmm. and you've lifted up some of them. Some of us don't like blood language. Right. Yeah. We all have blood. Like, and yet, and I'm one of those people, I don't love blood language. Right. Even I'm a blood donor. Blood doesn't make me icky. I right. just, something about it is bleh. And yet, yeah. it's real. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, Anyway, up of the new that. covenant sealed with my blood, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And uh, it is, I mean, we could talk for hours longer, but I don't know that anybody else will listen to hours and hours of Sabrina and Leah chatting. I mean, except for Sabrina and Leah, but uh, no, but I do, I, I always look forward to God has called you to tremendous places. You are a person who reminds me to remember always to pause and pray before acting 
Um, and I, I thank you for that, that gift. You maybe didn't even know that you, that you give, but it's the way that you always frame your invitations or talk about the way you've accepted invitations to certain spaces in, uh, our presbytery or our denomination or activities that you're doing. And, um, and so it's a real, it's a real lesson that you've taught me to remember to, to pause and, and pray and um, so thank you for that. And thank you for taking this time to pause and engage in conversation. Well, thank you, Leah, for inviting me and being awesome. And thanks for <laughs> everyone for putting up with um, Zoomness on.